Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Dusty Dime. Special guest, Daryl Evans. Uh, the only thing about Daryl is he's a former NHL player for the LA Kings, Washington Capitals, and Toronto Maple Leafs. And he was also a former announcer for the Los Angeles Kings as well. Um, we're about to on in a minute now. Uh, TJ, how are you, man? Uh, I'm doing good. We're going to try this the second time. <laughs> yeah, for... Uh, most of you people that don't know, and if you guys haven't heard me bitching the past podcast, um, Anchor sucks. So, Daryl, Daryl, we, we apologize. <laughs> no problem, guys. We, yeah, we've had nothing you. but we've had yeah. nothing but issues with Anchor, and you're not the first person. You won't be the last that happens. <laughs> oh God, it makes me want to Gee, I thought I was special. No, you are special. <laughs> you're very special. So, uh, Daryl, pretty much the same questions. I, um, I hate to keep asking the same questions, but. Um, so Daryl, back when you started your junior career in the queue, can you tell us what it was like entering the league at the age of 17 or at such a young age? Well, I, I played in the Ontario league. Uh, that's oh, I'm where sorry, I, in the Ontario yeah, league. Yeah, that's where I came up. Um, it was, you know, it was a, di- it was different back then than it is today. Uh, at that time, you know, the NHL draft was 20 years of age. So there was a lot of players that were 19, 20, uh, some overage players that were 21 years of age. So there was a lot of bigger, more mature men playing, you know, to play against. So it was a little bit intimidating, but uh, definitely a platform that, uh, you know, guys that did come in and play at, you know, 17, 18 years of age, you learned a lot. And I think it really, uh, you know, prepared you, you know, well for, you know, taking the next step whether it was in you know the minor leagues or in the NHL or even going over to Europe and play, it, it gives you the experience about playing against men. Absolutely, and, and that's the one thing. Being at such a young age, coming into that type of league, you kind of have to almost prove yourself kind of, not necessarily right out of the gate, but definitely in that first season, I feel like it's definitely your stepping stone. Like either you got it or you don't to hang around in that league. Yeah, um, I, th- I think by the cool. end of the year, you have a pretty good indication where you're at, uh, you know, whether you're going to be able to take that next step uh, you know, you've got to be able to, you know, to, to grind it out, first of all, uh, with the schedule, uh, you know, the travel that's involved. And, you know, and again, uh, you know, the mental game, uh, you know, it, it can be a little bit of a mental challenge. And, you know, as your body's going through, you know, changes and, you know, you're trying to get bigger and faster, uh, you know, there's a lot of different things that you, you have to make adjustments with. No, absolutely. And I think one of the stories that I would love to hear about is how you kind of linked up with the Los Angeles Kings and started working with them for a little bit. Can you touch on that? Well, having played for the Kings, uh, you know, that was the first team that drafted me in the NHL. Um, I went on to play in Toronto and Washington after that. Uh, the last team in the NHL was Toronto. I uh, spent the last couple of years of my career over in Europe, a year in England and a year in Italy. Uh, came back and uh, settled in Los Angeles and, uh, you know, just, uh, I guess by, you know, good fortune and, uh, you know, some luck and, you know, being in the right place at the right time, I was able to, uh, you know, uh, establish a, or reestablish a, a relationship with the Kings and, you know, it's led to many good things. It just completed my 20th year on the radio broadcast. I've uh, done a number of years uh, as an analyst with Fox Sports West as well and done a lot of work in their community, running their camps and clinics, uh, you know, and, and, and a lot of charity work uh, within the community as well. So it's, it's, it's really been, uh, you know, it's really come full circle. And it, uh, it's been a, a real pleasure to watch the game of hockey grow here in, you know, in California, in Los Angeles. And uh, uh, being part of it, it makes it even that much more special. 
Now, Daryl, I got a I got a question for you. Being with the Kings and everything, what was it like going through the Stanley Cup run with the Kings when they won that uh, year? You know, I can only, you know, I can only talk uh, from the standpoint of where you know where we watched the game from. I can't can't imagine what it would have been like to you know to actually be a player going through that uh, as a broadcaster, yeah. as a fan, uh, you know, as a, an alumnus of the uh, of the Kings organization. It, it was such a special time. I mean, you're looking at a franchise that it took 45 years them to win you know their first Stanley Cup and, you know some have never won one uh to see see that all come you know to fruition you know kind of like on on your clock it, it, it's it's a pretty neat thing uh you know the first one was incredible uh, you know I don't think you can ever experience anything like that in our game the second one was special as well but uh just being around that group and seeing all the efforts that were put in and I think it was gratifying to see as well for the fans that have followed this, you know, this franchise, you know, dating back all the way to '67, to see them be reward, be rewarded yeah. as well. So it was, it was a special time, and it, it it was a you know it did a huge thing for hockey here and you know out in the West Coast. Oh, for sure, yeah. Uh, now for this is my last question for you, Daryl, but it's one that I already asked previously. But could you tell me what the journey was like going from a small Toronto kid? skating in the greatest league in the world well i you know i, I think it was a dream come true i you know i grew up in a family where my dad had never skated never played hockey um and he was very athletic uh, so being the first one in the family to actually kind of put skates on and you know kind of go down that direction was was a, a challenge right off the bat but you know, i think you know there's different stages you, you hit uh, you know different forks in the road at different ages that you know you realize that you know you start to dream and then you recognize that maybe something special can happen. Uh, I think, you know, when you get drafted as a junior, as a junior player to the junior leagues, you start to, you know, you, you have a little bit more belief that it can happen. Uh, I was always very confident that, you know, I, you know, with my skills that, you know, I, I could, you know, help help myself out by, you know, and try to, you know, perfect and get better at the things that I was good at. Um, and then, you know, there was a lot of luck involved. I mean, you know, fortunate enough to get drafted by the Kings and, you know, eventually, you know, to be able to get to play. It, uh, it was a dream come true and seemed like it was so far, so far ago, but yet it still seems like it was yesterday. Now, would you consider yourself a rink rat? Uh, define rink rat. I mean, uh, somebody who likes to be around the rink, somebody that is around the rink, uh, I guess, yeah, that yeah, be, I, so, guess, I guess that would be me. <laughs> now, uh, now for a rink rat, I know after pretty much you, since you're done playing on the ice as well, you run a lot of uh, development camps, and you also run a fitness club for the King, correct, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I'm involved. I'm the uh, president of our LA Lions. That's our girls program out here. Uh, the commissioner of the high school hockey league here. I'm involved with, uh, with youth hockey. Our, our youth camps, our adult camps are our summer clinics, uh, clinics that we do during the year. Uh, I head off our, our fitness club, uh, which consists of two separate clubs, a run club and a bike club. And, uh, you know, again, it's just another way of, you know, getting get more involved in the community and, and engaging with, uh, you know, with people that uh, you know, love the Kings, uh, the Kings brand and, and what we offer and what we mean and uh, what we do for the community. That's absolutely amazing. Um, but honestly, Daryl, it's one of those things that I think as a kid, even, I mean, not make it to the NHL or, I mean, I played a little bit of juniors, but it wasn't anything crazy to where you can go play in the IHL or the O or the Q or anything like that. So 
seeing kids, you know, 23, 24, actually playing in the NHL, it's just, it blows my mind Dare, nowadays. I, I, Even kids that are 18, 19, that are making it into the show, they're just flat out that good. And back then, did you have really anyone at such a young age in NHL with you? or? Well, I, I, I grew up the uh, uh, same age as Wayne Gretzky, so played against him in, in youth hockey growing up. So to watch him get to where he was or – you know, where he went to as quickly as he did and be as successful as he was, uh, that was, uh, that was, uh, that was pretty cool to see. Uh, and, you know, then like I say, play, you know, you play with and against them as a, you know, as a, uh, as a youngster growing up, but, you know, then to play against him in the NHL when, you know, he, when he peaked and, you know, became, uh, you know, one of the greatest players to play the game, uh, you know, those are special moments. So, uh, those are definitely things that, you know, you look back upon and, uh, and uh, that, that's what makes our great game that special. That's why everyone loves hockey so much. It's just such a beautiful game that people don't realize that it's so difficult to just throw skates on and actually shoot a puck. People just think that they can throw skates on and be able to do it, and it's not as easy as you think. No, it's not. You know, I think you're looking at, uh, you know, there's a couple of sports involved, you know, sport, you know, skating, ice skating, you got to perfect that. And then the game of, you know, of ice hockey, you got to combine the two. You look at the size of the athletes, uh, the speed that the game's played at, the, you know, the uh, the athleticism. You're, you know, you're such a you know thin piece of steel skating around and handling a puck. Uh, the hand-eye coordination uh, today is incredible. Uh, you know, the things that these young players are doing at a young age and, you know, watching it on a day-to-day basis. I mean, they are trying to mimic everything that they see the pros do. So that's why when these young kids – that are, you know, five, six, seven, eight years of age, you know, by the time they get to be teenagers and things like that, they, they got a real good sound foundation underneath them. And now, uh, you know, now it's a matter of being able to put the heart and being mentally strong to be able to put it all together, put that package there. And that's what separates the guys that, that do make it from just the guys that are, you know, have a good, good skill set. Now, do you, do you have any, I wouldn't say any advice, but do you have, Actually, yeah, I would. Do you have any advice for players that are currently playing, like, say, for instance, college club hockey that are trying to better themselves? Would you suggest them trying to get away from club hockey and obviously, you know, try to produce a better outcome for themselves or kind of just, you know, stay in that same line in a sense, kind of stay in the club hockey area? Well, I, you know, I, I think everybody has to identify with themselves. Uh, you have to look in the mirror and know exactly where you are. I mean, if you're 23, 24, 25 years old playing club hockey, you know, at college, uh, you know, maybe you're a little bit of a late starter. That doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that, you know, that that's the end of the rope road for you. Um, you know, there's opportunities, like I said, whether go to Europe, uh, there's different professional leagues in different countries, um, you know, be it the NHL might be, you know, a, a long shot at that point. Uh, you know, it's such a young man's game today, but, you know, I, th- I think you just have to be, you know, realistic in the way you look at yourself. Uh, you know, there's different, there's different times, you know, in, in your life that you take a look at where you are. Um, you know, whether you're 15, 16 years of age, if you're playing, uh, you know, travel hockey, what level you're at, if you're playing some junior hockey, are you getting scouted? Is anybody aware of who you are, where you are? Uh, you know, those are all things that you have to have to, you know, take into consideration. Uh, you know, if you've been flying under the radar. Now, if you're a player that's scoring, you know, seven, eight goals a game, you're, you know, you might get somebody's attention that, you know, you might be able to open a door somewhere. But uh, I think you have to be realistic as to where you are. And that kind of comes 
you know, at different stages through, through your, through your early years. Absolutely. Um, do you have anything else for Daryl? Yeah. Yeah. Daryl, I actually got a question for you. My, my wife pointed out and can you touch on the ability to skate without laces? Can't bend over to do them up. So you gotta, you gotta learn to skate without. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, it's just, uh, it's just practice, practice, practice. Any, anybody can do anything that they want to do. If you, if you put your mind to it and and you practice it. Uh, uh, I had a coach in my early years that, you know, told me to leave a couple of eyelids undone and, not tighten too much to just give you a little bit more range of motion with your feet and you know kind of makes sense when you know when you when you think about it that uh you know sometimes when you restrict your foot in a you know in a boot real stiff that uh you know you might take away from a little bit of that spring that you might have so it you know it's something that uh, you know i've been able to work with and uh I, you know i wouldn't encourage it for everybody else but you know, for, for me it worked and I, i've saved a hell of a lot of money yeah. on laces over the years <laughs> <laughs> and 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 one last question that I, I guess everybody wants to hear is the miracle in Manchester. Oh, man. Yeah, you know that's, that that was uh, that was one special <laughs> night. You know, probably a night I've learned to appreciate a lot more now. Um, you know, in you know thirty seven years after it happened than the actual night it happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're a young kid coming out of junior. You know, not to say that you come back from five goal deficits all the time, but. Yeah, you get involved in some crazy games that are, you know, seven, five, seven, six, eight, seven, those type of things. Uh, you know, that was, I think when you look at the series, uh, you know, 46 sep- points separated the two teams entering the series. You know, game one in that series, uh, I think that really set the tone. Um, since then, the NHL extended all the playoff series to seven games, make it four to seven instead of three out of five like that series yeah. was. That first game that uh, that we played in Edmonton, there was 18 goals scored between the two teams. You know, we ended up winning the game 10-8. Uh, I think that set the tone. Uh, that that give us some confidence. Uh, we get beat the next night, three to two. Uh, Gretzky scores in overtime, I believe. Seasons uh, series is even at one, and you know, then they build the five nothing lead in game three. And I think everybody felt that you know that was the Oiler team everybody expected to see. And, uh, you know, we kind of went into the intermission with a mindset that, you know, we'll win a period, not necessarily focused on the end result of the game, but, you know, see what we can make out of it, build a little momentum for the next game. And, you know, we were fortunate enough, uh, we got that momentum going and, you know, I got an opportunity to, you know, to play in the overtime period, you know, kind of just, you know, did one of the things that I do best and that's, and that's shoot the puck and I just put the puck in the direction of that. When you do so, good things happen. Back to that, and here we are, 37 years later. It's, uh, it's the greatest comeback in the Cup playoff history. So that's a, definitely a special night. I think that whole series, you know, that whole year was my, you know, my rookie year. So there's, there's a lot of special things that, that came together, and uh, you know, that's, that's a night and a game that you know, a lot of people want to get. I know, especially myself. I. It's awesome. That's one of those things that, I, oh my goodness, just to go to bed with a smile on your face. I mean, I can only imagine that night after that game, what the emotions were for you and be able to sleep, to be honest. <laughs> no, I, I think we slept till it was 5 nothing. That's where I picked up on my sleep. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Daryl, but I'll tell you what, we truly appreciate you coming on and sorry for the technical difficulties before but uh appreciate you staying around with us my pleasure guys keep up the good work and uh, we'll catch up again later on 
Of course. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you, Daryl. So for everyone that doesn't know, that's Daryl Evans. Daryl Evans is hands down a legend in our eyes. Um, he's one of those things that he said himself. He's playing with Wade Gretzky, uh, Miracle of Manchester. It's a game that no one can ever forget. Even for kids that weren't around, look it up. It's hands down the greatest comeback in NHL history in playoffs. So that, like he said, it was back when Stanley Cup playoffs were a five-game series, 7-7. Seven, seven. But no matter what, even in that five-game series, these guys are putting up 18 goals in a matter of a game between two teams. That's ridiculous. You don't, you never hear that anymore. You never yeah. hear that. I wanted, I wanted to ask him if Gretzky's hype was as big as everyone says it when he played younger. When yeah, he played there was another, I forgot the one question <laughs> I was going to ask him. But I was like, oh, fuck it. I, I forget. But I'll tell you what, great guy, man. I, that guy can probably still outrun me. He can probably run like four miles. I'll run a mile, and I'm like gasping for air. It's a great time. Like, do you see his pic? Do you see his pictures on Google, yeah, man? Yeah, I know. He's, he's trying to beat me up with his tanky. It's great. <laughs> oh my god. So, um, I'm trying to get one of our my one of our original kids that played with the Rebels on. I have no idea where the hell he is. Um, I'll shoot him a text really quick. Um, but uh, one second. Sorry. I can never multitask, as everyone knows. So, um, one thing that we kind of want to touch on, and it's kind of a touchy subject, but um, we had a couple of people um, reach out to us. And for a lot of people that don't know, um, God, I hate to even bring this up, but we, we need to talk a little about a suicide hotline. And we had a person that we know um, – put it this way, had a rough time in his life and he didn't think a lot of people around him to help him and that's not the case. That's never, that never will be the case. Um, but for us, we want everyone to realize that there is a suicide hotline in case you ever need someone to talk to and it's 1-800-273-8255 and from us at Dusty Dimes to anyone that does listen to us, we're not trying to make this a sob story or anything like that. But it's a serious topic for a lot of NHL players or even hockey players in general. Um, they either get a lot of PTSD from going through a lot of years um, of playing hockey or they just have personality disorders or something like that. But if you ever notice someone that's very, you know, to themselves, trying to distance themselves from everyone, just not being reach out to them and try to talk to them and see what's going on in the life because a lot of people, they're very – not necessarily selfish, but they don't step in other people's shoes like they should. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of think like, hey, you know what? He's fine. He'll suck it up until the next day. I hate to say it, but if he doesn't call you or get that normal text that you get every day, there's something wrong. So again, if you ever notice one of your friends or yourself or even a family member that's not acting self, see what's going on. Because that's the last thing you want is not getting a phone call. I'd rather have someone blow my phone up every day, be annoying, just because I just it's okay. But as soon as they stop calling me or texting me, that's when I reach out and like, hey, you all right? Yeah. So to end on a good note, not, not we're not ending, but to get away from that subject, we have one of my original junior players that came with the Rebels. Oh, God. Colin Fagan. What is up, buddy? Mikey, how are we doing, buddy? Hanging in there, man. So, Colin, uh, for, if you haven't known, you probably know by now, TJ was our um, last junior coach with the Rebels team. Yep. Uh, CJ, how are you doing, TJ? Good. How are you doing, Colin? He's an OG rebel. He's been around 
for theme. And Colin, just give me give me something that you went through that kind of related to our season this past year. Oh, well, right off the bat, I mean, we had our own team cancers and a couple of the kids that were on the team. Um, uh, we didn't have any overage players coming in, uh, but we definitely could have used some more bodies. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, you're right with that one. I mean, I'll tell you what, the kids that we had, like, it sounds fucked up, but the kids that we had on our ninth, or like our original team, they're really good. Um, but it's just like a lot of individual play in a sense. Like we had maybe like six kids that were like really good, not cancerous, just absolutely do whatever they needed to do. And then you have like. Eh, I wouldn't say a handful, maybe like two or three that were just like absolute shit shows. <laughs> yeah, I was one of those. Hey, uh, hello, Mike. Mike, can <laughs> I hate to be the dick to, to do this, but can we do this on the next podcast with Colin? Is yeah. that possible? Is that po- I'm just saying because I just pulled up to this rehearsal dinner. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We'll just cut this out. Is that is that yeah, fine? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll just, Colin, can we can we just bring you on this coming week? Yeah, absolutely. All right, word. Awesome. Thank you, Colin. We appreciate right, it. Later, no boo-boo. See ya. Later, later.